Good evening. Hey, you know, these Thursday nights are great. There's a lot going on in this world. And, you know, whether it's football, baseball, or basketball, I'm just thankful to be able to to, to really kind of watch sports and appreciate them for all the great that they are. Um, Chappie, I, I love Thursday nights. They're so um, – it's such a it's a, such anxiety um, working up to Thursday, but I always enjoy doing this. So you know, this year I, I said it the last couple weeks. Um, tonight we're going to talk corner infielders, but I decided to approach it a little bit differently this year. And when I say that, what I mean is, with a sixty game season from last year, it, it really is hard to um, to truly get a true sense of statistics because they they're skewed they're skewed they're not accurate there's a lot of instances where guys had a really good uh, truncated season and it's pushing their ADPs up guys had a really bad um, shortened season and it's pushing them down now what you have to do to kind of combat that is you have to um, kind of look at their trends before last year, because what's going to happen is, is when, when you're looking at a 60 game season, guys don't have time to work out of their slumps or get into hot streaks or come down off of hot streaks. So a lot of these guys you're going to look at, you're going to see and think, Oh, this guy had a really great year. This is the start of something. Well, not necessarily, not always in some cases, absolutely. But in other cases, it's not going it, to, it's, it's not going to, mesh because it the case just isn't there for it to be um sustainable so so what i've chosen to do because of that is kind of spend so again corner infielders tonight i'm going to give you my list my next week tonight i want to talk about some of these instances where maybe our adps are a little off based off of basically not a true representative sample and from last year. So, so we're going to try and pinpoint some of those down so that we don't make mistakes on draft day. Choosing players that are, you know, basically just had a good short season because it's a flash in the pan, right? Um, and and th there are concrete instances of guys who didn't have a good year across the board um, that, you know, maybe you're going to get pushed down unnecessarily so you can really get value with those guys so again the way i'm going to approach this from here on out i didn't feel the need to do this with catchers i do think it's important to do it in these big positions though there's a lot of talent in the corner outfield position or corner infield position um it, it's it's important to choose wisely I, so I'll, I'll set this first I'm coming you coming to you from a fantasy baseball perspective of I like to play in head-to-head -head leagues. I like to play in leagues where you can make daily changes. Um, so when I'm looking at these guys, I want to know um, if my starting second baseman is is off that day, do I have a guy that I can filter in to cover that day off, right? Because you're accumulating stats. So, so that, you know, the position um, – Flexibility is important as well, and it's something that I look at w when deciding um, who I like and who I don't. So <clears throat> without further ado, let, let's start jumping into some of these guys. Um, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about my list next week, 
And the way I'm going to do it is, is I'm going to combine first and third, but we're going to also separate it and kind of talk about the depth at each position. Because honestly, if you look down at it this year, there is a large pool of depth at both of these positions. And, you know, if you want to kind of hold off on them, you can. Because there's going to be such value because of what I talked about earlier in that everybody, every novice in the sport is going to go out and say, oh, Luke Foyt had 22 homers last year. I want to go get him. That's a mistake. I'm not saying Luke Foyt's not a good player. I'm not saying he couldn't have a, a, a stellar season this year. It's absolutely possible. But give me someone who's built up a little bit more of a case. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Chaps Fantasy Chats brought to you by Draft for Upside. Catch us on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify. I think we're all over the world at this point. So we got a really great group of guys. Um, you know, my thanks to Mark Lawson and uh, Jonathan Danger Cole for putting this together. I enjoy working with these guys. Make sure you go and check out their content as well. Chaps Fantasy Chat is Thursday nights at 8. Make sure you come back at 10. My buddy RC, RC and myself will be talking about um, – Pretty much anything under the sun, fantasy sports-wise and otherwise, at 10 o'clock, that's the other angle with Chappie and RC. I know for a fact we're going to talk some about um, some goats tonight, some 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 present-day goats and um, greatest of all time, uh, and as well as some college basketball and, of course, always baseball. So make sure you tune in for that as well. But without further ado, I do want to – do do I want to do I want to get back into this <laughs> um holistic overview of the corner infield is interesting to me so so that's the first thing you want to look at when you when you're when you're breaking down a position especially one that's paired with another a, a silo position I call them third and first so it's one of those positions you can kind of profile it in that your first and your third baseman generally are going to be <clears throat> they're going to be home run guys they're going to be power guys. Your short and your middle generally are going to be more speed and average and uh, runs. That's a, a general overview of what you're doing, but it, you know there are exceptions to the rule. My point in saying that is it's important to look at these guys that are multi-positional, and if you're in a head-to-head -head league and you're able to get a Alex Bregman – and shift him over to third base. It's, I know his stolen bases numbers weren't great last year, but it gives you that profile of um, being able to play to your opponent, right? If, you, if you're playing an opponent and he's got a really good stolen base um, lineup, then, then you can kind of play to that. So, so when I say that, I'm saying I, I don't have it in front of me. Last year, I think the leader in stolen bases was – well, I do have that. Is eight, um, if, and, and and you know, it's my point is it's not going to take much to influence the stolen base category at first or at third base because there's just basically a big hole there, right? Um, the other thing you really kind of can take advantage of at the corner is getting guys with high average because just like anything, if you're hitting, if you're putting guys in there with powered home runs. A lot of times, you you know, you're looking at the Joey Gallo types, the Kyle Schwarber types. Yes, they provide plenty of power, but they also kill your batting average. So when you're looking at first and third, your primary first and third guy 
must, must, must have a high batting average. Because otherwise, you don't have anything to balance that out. Inevitably, later, you're going to have to pivot to a lower average guy because the (laughs) – Durf, what's up, buddy? Durf's in Facebook jail. Cheers. (laughs) Durf's in the clink. (laughs) Anyway, glad you're listening. Appreciate you. So when – when you're looking at this corner position, it's really important to to take that into account because you can only make up so much. The outfield's kind of like so. Like I said, corner, homers, RBI, RBIs, middle, speed, infield, or speed runs average. The outfield's kind of like your makeup, right? Your outfield's kind of like where you kind of you know you you can get a little bit of everything out there. But fact of the matter is, is you can't you kind of have to be well-rounded on the infield in order to compete truly. So again, when you're looking at these guys, make sure, make sure that you pick up a guy or two that maybe is a little bit unconventional, right? Now you don't want to sacrifice all your power because it's going to make, you know, it's going to kind of make you want um, uneven on the other end. So you definitely want to get your, some power numbers here, but you know, if, if there, there's not that many guys here, um, Guys like DJ LeMayhew, guys like Bregman that can play multiple – guys like Bellinger that can play multiple positions and, and not – now, I know Bellinger had a bad year last year. I look, I'll look. i talk about that in a little bit. Um, guys that aren't going to kill your average, but maybe you might want to shift in that position because of the other categories that they're giving. Um, so – let's talk about these positions holistically just for a second. You know, just as, as far back as two years ago, we were talking about how shallow first base was. There's just nothing there. I'm running down through this list. First base is really deep this year. Now, it, the, the front end might be a little weak. I'm not going to say sit here and say there's a whole bunch of, you know, it's not like shortstop where you have – seven or eight star-studded guys, but you have literally, you know, 15 first basemen. Hold on, I'm going to look. Easy 15 first basemen that you could start every day and get late. Guys like Christian Walker, guys like Carlos Santana, guys like Yuli Gurriel that you could get at the very end of your draft. It kind of takes some pressure off when you're talking about Drafting a first baseman high. Now, when you're looking at that top of that, (laughs) sorry, I keep trying to, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. So if it sounds a little, that's why. You know, if you look at the top half of that first base, sure, you got, you got Pete Alonso, you got uh, Bellinger, you got, you know, some other high name players, Freddie Freeman, um, Jose, there's some good players there, right? But, could you not make the argument that a guy like Anthony Rizzo, Max Muncie, Josh Bell could put up similar, if not better, numbers 100 picks later? Freddie Freeman being the exception. Freddie Freeman's been pretty damn consistent. Bellinger's been up and down. Alonzo, we don't know yet. He looks good. He he looks looks like he's sustainable. 
Abreu had a great year last year. I feel like he's been pretty consistent. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it, try and paint a story that's not true. He's been pretty consistent. But not like he was last year. So you expect him to come back down a little bit. My argument is, instead of spending a top three or four pick, you could do just as well going out and picking up a Yuli Gurriel and Edwin Rios and Miguel Sano. There's a ton of guys there to choose from. Third base is interesting as well. And, and sorry, one more thing about first base. I feel the ADPs are all messed up at first base because of guys like Luke Voigt. Pete Alonso's 55. Pete Alonso and Luke Voigt are being drafted in the same spot right now. I know it's early. I know that's going to change. Nothing against Luke Voigt. It's out of whack, though. There's no way Luke Foyt should be going 30 ADP points higher than Matt Olson. That's a mistake. So when you're looking at these ADPs, because, you know, here's the thing about ADP. Yeah, they don't mean much, except for when they do. And what I'm talking about is you know you're going to be in a league, and you know you're going to be up against guys who haven't done a lick of homework. What are they looking at? You named it. They're going to look. They're looking at. They're going to Fantasy Pros. I love Fantasy. It's a great site. I like Fantasy Pros because it averages together Yahoo, Fantrax, RT Sports, and NFBC for a nice average. Right. That's not the end all be all. It doesn't mean that the league you're in is going to draft. You know that Matt Olson is going to be the 84th pick, but it's indicative. It's indicative because generally people are lazy when it comes to draft preparation. I'm not. I want to look and see who's there that shouldn't be, who's not that should. And we'll talk about that next week, right? The one thing I do want to talk about at the top, to me, there are a few really big missteps here. Cody Bellinger last year was a top four pick. He's fallen all the way to 15. I know he had a crappy year. I know that. I know he's a touch inconsistent. But if you want to talk about pure value, even at the top of the draft, if you're sitting at pick two or three in the second round and Cody Bellinger's there, you have to think about you're getting a guy – who, <laughs> yeah, he had he hit 239 last year. 12 homers. It's not terrible. The average kills you a little bit. But the fact that he's, he's, I always get this wrong. He's just 25 years old. I'm in baseball reference. I always want to, uh, I always want to put his debut age as his age when I look at it. I'd make sure I'd, I've done that more than once. So so he's been in the league four years. He debuted at 21. This is his fifth year. He's already hit 123 homers, guys, as a 25-year-old. 
So the power's been consistent. The average has fluctuated just a bit. But last year was a new low for him. You have to think that's not the norm. 267, 260, and 305 the three years prior to that. He's a career 273 hitter. Again, he's the third or fourth pick overall last year. He's going at 15. He's going as a high second rounder now. That's value. That's value. Nolan Arenado is another one. Guys, and I'll talk. Sorry, I'll talk about him a little bit later. <clears throat> but I think it's important to take note with Arenado. He was a mid-first-round pick last year. He's a third-round pick this year. Third, 26.8 overall. Now, that's probably going to go up. But there's this misconception about when hitters leave Colorado. You can get you can get Arenado for a steal in the third round. If it's me, I'm taking Bellinger and Arenado. That's what that's what I'm trying to I'm trying to get both those guys. Because again, Arenado's 29 years old. He played the entire season last year. UC joint, flexor joint. He was injured the entire year last year. Said it hurt when he swung hard. Third round pick, Nolan Arenado. So th that's what this exercise is about. Going down through here and looking at these guys that are either way too high or way too low. Because before we make our list, we got to watch not to step in these potholes. You can make a stacked team right now because of misvalued players. It's important to look at the bigger picture. The bigger picture is going to take precedence over small, short-term success. The larger sample size always wins. Now, some things have to add up to get there. There has to be some consistency there. Uh, you know, a guy like Matt Olson to me is a perfect example. His ADP is 84, guys. He had a terrible year last year. I, I, I mean, here's another guy, though, that – you know, you're, you you look you look at his sample size. Twenty six years old, fifth year in the majors. He's already had one hundred and three home runs. Last year he had fourteen and he hit one ninety five. The one ninety five is not indicative of the kind of hitter that Matt Olson is. His career batting average over five years it was 245, is 245, even with that 195 average from last year. 267 and 19, 247 and 18, 
259 and 17. And I won't give you 16 because it's just 11 games. It's 095. Guys. So unless it's four years, right? 11 at-bats is it, or 21 at-bats, excuse me, isn't a year. We're talking about, here's what people forget. 2019, he played 127 games. He hit 36 homers coming off of a broken wrist. And he had 267. I'm willing to chalk last year's last year up as a mulligan for Matt Olson. Especially when you're talking about him at 84. That's an eighth round pick? Seventh, eighth round pick? That's 30 points lower than Pete Alonzo. Matt Olson has the has a very similar profile to Pete Alonso. He has that kind of power as Pete Alonso. And he's going 30 picks later. Pete Alonso's being underdrafted. 55. He was like a third round draft pick as a rookie that no one knew anything about. I'll tell you, in the past, I haven't been a big fan of drafting a first baseman early. But I kind of feel like with the way these ADPs are this year, you'd be foolish not to. You know, Alonso hit 16 homers last year. That pace is out to about, I I don't have, like about 52 homers. You think he had a down year. It wasn't 52. He had 53 the last year. It was like 46, I think. Again, it's not exact. I don't. You can find it a baseball reference. But the, the thing that's a little bit alarming about Alonzo was the drop in batting average. 260 to 231. He has to be close to that 250 in order for him to be worthy Six-round pick is accurate for him if he's going to hit 230. Let's put it that way, right? That 30-point drop in average is going to hurt you a little bit. But nonetheless, I feel like that comes back up. I, I just I, – I feel like he's – and I'll, I'll, I'll set this as my introduction to that. I wasn't a big fan of him year before last in his rookie year. I mean, I thought he hit a lot of homers. I thought he'd be a 200 hitter. He's clearly not that. Um, 260 might be a touch high, but I, I feel like he's capable of hitting around 250 every year. And um, that's a third-round pick, not a fifth, sixth or seventh, which is what a 55 ADP is. So, so let's do this. I, I just want to do a little exercise here. And I think this really drives home the point of why it's important to look at big picture this year, more so than ever in fantasy baseball. I'm going to give you this list of players. We're going to go down through them ADP-wise 
and, and we're just going to start to talk about why it's why it's not ac- an accurate depiction of a bigger sample size. So, uh, you know, I'm starting out here with – sorry, let me get my right page up. I'm starting out here at, you know, first baseman number four, Jose Abreu. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I think Abreu's great. He's been really good. He's been really – so Jose Abreu, Vladimir Guerrero, Luke Foyt, Matt Olson, Max Muncy, and Anthony Rizzo. I've skipped a few, but I feel like these are all comparable. This is a comparable six players, right? And I want to talk about ADP here. So the average draft position for Abreu currently is 33.3. Voigt is 55.5. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is 57. Olsen's 84. Muncy's 94. Rizzo's 97. But that just goes to show you. Luke Voigt there is in front of four players that he shouldn't be. And nothing again. Nothing against Voigt. He is a, he is a great bat for that park in that team. He's everything that Greg Bird couldn't be. But that doesn't mean you draft him at fifty five in the fifth round. That's silly. That's a mistake. Let a novice do that. The others, Vlad's a great case here. Would you rather take a flyer on Vlad or Voigt? It seems to me to be a no-brainer. Again, you know, it's it's all you know. Two years ago, you could get Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He was everybody's darling. He comes up, he struggles a little bit, and now everybody's off of him all of a sudden. Now I know fifty seven is pretty high still. I get that, but everybody everybody expected him to be a top five player by this time. He's just not been that yet. Doesn't mean he's not gonna be or can't be. If I'm going to take a flyer in the fifth round, it's going to be Vlad, not Voight. Another way to look at it, if you got Mattles, I personally have him first in this group. Matt Olson with an 84 ADP is number one in this group to me. Above Jose Abreu, who's too high at 33. He's too high. Three, I got Guerrero. I think he's due for a huge year. Four, Muncy. Five, Rizzo. Six, Void. Point of this exercise. If, sorry, I got a comment here. Um. If if you're not if you're not willing to do the work on this, you have to kind of 
get, you have to build your own case. Okay. Matt Olson to me still has Pete Alonso type talent. He he has prodigious power. I look for a huge rebound here out of him. Abreu's great. I have him second on this list. I feel like it's a touch of an anomaly. It's a little. I feel like those numbers come back down over the course of a full season. 317, 19 homers, 43 runs, and 60 RBIs. Jefferson's Ocean tonight, by the way, guys. Really good. Highly suggested. 19 homers last year is a 52 home run pace out of a break. No way that happens over the full season. Not at 34 years old. Now, he's been really consistent. I don't I don't think, you know, he's a 292 career hitter. He hit 317. He hit 317 his rookie year, his rookie year. I was looking at his Cuban numbers earlier. They're ridiculous. Now I know it's not apples to apples. Jose Abreu is one of those guys that I, you know, is generally pretty underrated. But I I value Olsen more, and I know that's a, that's a little bit of a leap, right? My point to this: if you value Matt Olson more than Jose Abreu. Or if you value Vladimir Guerrero or any one of these guys, as a matter of fact. As soon as Abreu is selected, you have the justification to go draft, in my case, Olsen. Because you have him ranked higher. And I know that sounds a little weird. It doesn't, you know, you could do that because... You have a peck, your own pecking order, your own draft tiers. They don't have to agree with the industry because at the end of the year, most of the industry is wrong. Let's be totally honest. I'm not saying I'm going to draft Olsen in the third round. Hell, I'm not saying I draft him in the fifth round. But I feel comfortable drafting him there because I value him more than a Brave. I value him more than a Guerrero. And someone else is just going to be sitting there looking at that list. Oh, I'm going to take Jose Abreu because he's the highest rated player. That's lame. And it doesn't work out. That's why this exercise is fun. You might be asking, Chappie, why are you dogging on Luke Voigt? You spent this whole 30 minutes talking about how Luke Voigt's overvalued. He had a great year. 277, 22 homers, 41 RBIs, or excuse me, 41 runs and 52 RBIs. Guys, 22 homers was a career high for Luke Voigt in 60 games. Color me skeptical. I just don't see that. And now, he could have another good home run year. It's not out of the realm of possibility. But remember a couple years back, 
when everybody was so high on Greg Bird. He's the next big thing. Everybody was so high on Jesus Aguilar. This screams regression to me. And in the fifth round, I can't afford to take that chance. Hell, I don't want to take that chance in the 15th round. Sure as I don't want to take it in the fifth. A guy, again, a guy I will take a chance on, Vlad Jr. 21-year-old Vlad Jr. Everybody's darling. Everybody's baby. Everybody wanted this guy a couple years back. He's going to hit 330 and 30 homers as a 19-year-old. Well, it didn't work out that way. He hasn't been terrible. He's just not been what everybody envisioned him right out of the gate. But I caution you guys. He's still only 21 years old. Do yourself a favor. Go out and Google what he's done in the Dominican Winter League. He's lost weight. He's killing the ball. To me, this screams value, even at 57. Here's what Vlad's getting this year. First full season, getting to hang out in spring training. First full season, I totally agree. They're overthinking 2020. Get to, I, and, and that's why this is fun doing this. I don't know who that is. Facebook user. I don't know why that's – sometimes it comes through something. If you just let me know who you are when you're talking, that would be awesome. Appreciate you. Um, and, and it's one of those things where people are short-sighted. People don't remember two years ago. Fact of the matter is, Vlad's never had a spring training where he was going up with a big league team. They didn't have one last year. So, you know, that's going to be good for him. First off, throw in the fact that he's playing in the Winter League. <laughs> Rich, what's up, brother? He's play So he's playing in the Dominican League. Um, killing the – so he is in midseason form. Coming off, off, coming up off the bat, right? I fully expect for him to come off, come in hot. And again, it, 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 sorry, trying to get to his page here. At twenty-one years old, if you want, if you want to talk about a guy who's been through a lot. Tries to play him at third base. He's overweight. He comes up with all this pressure. Of course, everybody knows who his dad is. <laughs> Here's one for you. Last year, home 323. Away 213. That speaks to me, a guy who's just trying to find a routine. Who's just trying to get comfortable at the big league level. If you look at his statistics, he hit, in July, he hit 172. He hit 289 in August. 
and 263 in September and October. Who's Puig playing for, Rich? I haven't even seen that. I, 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 I'm always a big fan. I tell you, real funny, side note, we're doing the Dynasty Draft. And this is, I mean, it's like a 50-roster team. Um, my first pick in the Dynasty Draft was none other than it was a Cespedes. It wasn't Ioannis. It was Euclid. Um, So I was pretty excited to get get the young young Cespedes on my team, my first pick in a dynasty draft. Anyway. Vlad, to me, screams as to why you do this exercise. If you really put the long-term goggles on, this is your end game. Because the upside here is huge, right? If he comes in, so so when he came up, 330, 30 homers, 100, 100 every year. It's the floor. Oh, how quickly we forget, right? Yes, I, I, I give Puig a chance. I wish the Cubs had signed Puig. I, I mean, at, at this point, that that's that's the kind of wild card. You know, the Rockies signed Greg Bird. I think that's a great sign. Kevin Cron's another one. I know I'm getting a little bit deep. There are guys out there that they're lottery tickets, right? What's stopping a, a low team, a low budget team like the Pirates or, or the Cubs from going out and signing a Greg Bird, from going out and signing a, you know, uh Yasiel Puig, from going out and signing a, you know, some of these other cheap Taiwan Walker. The, if you're gonna suck, at least suck with guys with high, high upside. I digress. I, I, this I was I was troubled with this with Void at fifty five and with Vlad at fifty seven. I was I, I spent a lot of time thinking about why this just didn't rub me right, and it still doesn't, obviously, right? <laughs> so let's talk about some undervalued corner infielders. I think it's important. I mentioned this guy earlier. I think we're getting – I love fantasy sports. I love picking out bad analysis because what happens with bad analysis is it starts with one, you know, commentator, and it spreads like a virus, pun intended. It, 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 it's so funny. So there's this wild miss because Nolan Arenado. At 26.8 ADP, was a mid-first-round pick last year. All of the indicators are there, guys. Colorado stinks. Yeah, yeah it's got to be fun to hit at Colorado. But is it fun to watch your pitchers give up eight, nine runs, night in and night out? No one wants that. <clears throat> Going to St. Louis, team that wants to win. Teaming up with Goldschmidt. Great pitching staff. Nolan Arenado has got to be the happiest guy in Missouri. Because, again, he's going to a team that's got a chance to win right now. He doesn't have to face the Padres and the Dodgers 16 times a year. He replaces them with the Pirates and the Cubs. That's a bonus. 
yeah, Colorado's a great hitting park, but now you get to go to Milwaukee and you get to go to Cincinnati. I'm good with that. Again, the AC joint. People don't talk about it enough because Nolan doesn't talk about it. Love that about him. He doesn't like making excuses, but it's legitimate. It's legitimate. Um, throw in the fact, throw in the fact that he's just 20, you know, you think he's been around, he's 29 years old. You look at his last year, last five year statistics prior to 2020. You tell me what you tell me why he can't revert back to this. 2019, 41 homers, 315. 2018, 38 homers, 297. Rich, I'll answer your question in a second. 2017, 37 homers, 309. 16, 43 and 309. 15, 35 and 294. Talked about Bellinger a little bit earlier. Four-year career, I think it was 120-something homers. This is five years he's hit 195 home runs, guys. Prior to last year, we know he had a bad shoulder. This is a no-brainer. Yes, he's leaving Colorado. But there's an interesting study. I meant to freaking copy that. Dang it. There's an interesting study out there talking about how Colorado is actually negative on a hitter. In that it's a positive when they're at cores, but it's very distinctly a negative when they're on the road. DJ LeMayhu is a perfect example. He leaves New York, or he leaves Colorado where he's, I mean, he's a good player. He goes to New York, he takes off. Could you see that same thing happen with Arenado? I could. You know, <laughs> come back. Okay, Rich. Escobar. Eduardo Escobar. I... I I feel like he's been one of those guys who year after year has been underappreciated because he plays out West. He doesn't really get, you know, the, the public. I, I'll tell you a couple years, but I get the MLB package on MLB.com every year. I love watching those West coast games because what happens is, you know, I hang up with my wife during most of the primetime games, but then at night you go, you you know, she goes to bed and I get to watch, you know, all the, the Dodgers. So I've become a big West Coast fan in the last couple of years. Eduardo Escobar, um, two years ago, was one of my favorite players to watch. And he kind of came out of nowhere, right? But when, when you look back at his career, um, yeah, he's been pretty consistent. He's never been 35 home ago. He's never been 118 RBI. Good. But, so if you're asking if I think he gets back to that, no. I don't think Arizona's talent enough around him to protect him. 
What I do think, though, is he could get back to 20 overs. He could get back to 80 RBIs. The 212 just doesn't – that doesn't jive with me. Not from a 30 – now, if he was 36, 35, 36, I might say, yeah. But he's still got good ball left in him. The question to me is motivation. If, if Arizona's bad, which I feel like they're going to be, where's the motivation for him to compete? Is it is it that he's happy in Arizona and doesn't want to leave? Which would de-incentivize you, right? Or does he want really want to win? I, I, I can't speak to that. So, so I guess to answer my question to you, I feel like he gets back to 2018-type numbers, which isn't bad. 23 homers, 84 RBIs, 272. I think that's Escobar's ceiling. Chaps Fantasy Chat, Thursday nights at 8. Next week, I'm going to give you my list. We're going to talk about first and third basemen. We're gonna we're gonna put ADPs up there. I'm gonna tell you why why I evaluate person A over person B. We're gonna break it down. Uh, so he's are you saying this? Okay, so this is he's a free agent next year. That changes things. If he's playing for a contract, I think that's I mean that's a big deal, right? Um, that might be a sneaky guy. Rich, that might be a sneaky guy. I like it. I'm going to do some research. I'll give you an answer next week. Fair? Hey, Rich, Rich great. 643 Baseball. Go check it out. Find me on Draft for Upside. I'm Chappie, Chaps Fantasy Chat, Thursday nights at 8. Next week, we're going to break it down. We're going to give you the corner infield, player by player, blow by blow, why I like such and such over and such and such. But in the meantime, Go grab something to eat, freshen up your drink, come back at 10. Chappie and RC, the other episode, we're going to – the other angle, excuse me. We're going to talk about – you name it. We, we do very little preparation in terms of what we want to talk about. We, we It's kind of like two buddies at a bar just talking about sports. I know for a fact we're going to talk some about uh, some greatest of all times, some Hall of Fame considerations. We're going to talk some college basketball. And, yes, we're going to talk some baseball. So, you know, always talking some NFL, too. That never gets out of there. I got a dynasty draft I've been wanting to talk about. So, um, anyway, appreciate y'all. Thanks for joining in. Chaps Fantasy Chat. Find me on Facebook. Um, draft for Upsides, the site. You can join my personal Facebook page, Chaps, Chaps Fantasy Sports. Love you all. Appreciate the support. See you guys in an hour. Good night.